0: Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. So for this week's episode, I have a really fun conversation to share with you with one of our SDI members, Heather Makowitz, who is the founder of an organization called Peak Encounter Ministries. At its essence, Peak Encounters is doing spiritual companionship through being outside, through going for hikes and canoeing, climbing and various other activities that require ropes. And through the conversation, you get a real sense that Heather cares very deeply about this work of spiritual companionship and the ways that it is expressed through being outside and being in nature and experiencing spiritual in all of creation.
1: So first of all, I'm a certified spiritual director, was formed at Newman University a little over three years ago and practiced spiritual direction Um, at a place called the Dalesford Abbey near Philly, which is actually a Norbertine religious order home. Uh, They have a spirituality center where there are 16 spiritual directors here practicing one-to-one companionship with others. And I tend to focus a lot on working with young adults in their 20s and 30s. Especially through their transitional periods in their lives. Uh, Maybe they're seeking a a job. They've finished graduate school. They don't know whether they want to get married or stay single. So there's a lot of discernment going on and also transitional periods with people in their, usually in their mid forties and fifties where they're about to retire from their job and wondering what's next. So That's one component, um, is the one-to-one spiritual direction, which I really, really love. And more recently, um, becoming the founder and president of this growing nonprofit, Peking Counter Ministries, I really wanted to intersect the charisms that I saw in spiritual direction with a small group process in a place that I love the most, which is natural creation. So natural creation really is the backdrop of sort of the group spiritual direction that, um, I offer. And now we're going to be inviting other retreat leaders to do the same thing who actually also have that spiritual companionship. Um, those characteristics that I think what makes this so unique, such as, okay. So such as that, when I'm in a direction session or when people are coming to a retreat, I really emphasize hospitality and welcoming people wherever they are, whether they're believers, non-believers, or whatever. When I'm saying believers, you know, believing in in Christ, I'm actually an active Catholic Christian. Um, However, I love to interact with people all over the map. So hospitality is important. Uh, Also that we're, coming across very invitationally, reverencing the dignity of the person that's coming and their complex experiences they might be coming with. Um, there's, a, there's an aspect of formation where I will invite people into a scripture passage and suggest, suggest and invite formative ways that people can concretely engage. Um, with God uh, while they're being supported in, in actual creation. And I believe in a big uh, way that healing is a, a part of spiritual companionship, really to be known and to know another person and to walk with another person on their journey. So so I think all of the oh and then also hopefully recovering joy in their relationships. With higher power, with God, um, by doing these adventure-based things uh, that are really engaging and captivating and fun and relationship-building.
0: Why do you think? How how is nature? You you said nature is the backdrop for mm-hmm. by which spiritual companionship happens. What do you think is the the benefit or the experience of having nature be the backdrop? How does nature inform that spiritual companionship practice?
1: What I've noticed, at least for myself, from personal experience, when I'm out in nature, it it allows me that space to be able to have pause. Um, I recently came across this one, quote, that, w- that went something like this. My brain can move very fast when I'm sitting still. But when I'm outside and I'm moving fast, my brain sits still. So I think for one, it is a great place that can give us pause. As well as a perspective that there is a God who who is so much bigger, and natural creation is so much bigger than our small selves, even though our small selves are super important, that there's a perspective that there's something even bigger than us, and maybe even our circumstances out there. There's also new life everywhere, um, so it gives a lot of hope to people, and, and again, that, that healing aspect, I think, is really important um and i would say i'm a big ignatian spirituality person and i like to really enter the scene of scripture with all of my senses so my mind my uh, my my vision my hearing um touch and so when i'm thinking of scripture I want to get out there and experience it. And I find that others do too, that it it really integrates the mind, body, and spirit. And our senses are flooded when we're outside. So it's just another aspect, another portal that I, I feel like makes makes God accessible.
0: Yeah, I've experienced a lot of that for myself in regards to movement and walking and hiking and how that's actually quiets the mind, and allows you to be more present to what is. I, I want to ask you a kind of a personal spirituality question about nature and creation. And do you see God being in nature? And this is a sort of maybe a theological question, or maybe yeah. just a spirit question, but is, is nature inherently spiritual? Or is it, the the createdness of nature that gives it a, a reverence for you and maybe that's hmm. the wrong dichotomy to think of but I think about that a lot and so I just yeah posing the question out of my own I'm curiosity sure that,
1: yeah yeah no that makes a lot of sense um, so when I was praying about peak encounter ministries and sort of the the um I don't know how you would say the the, the tagline that would explain peak. Um, it was through creation, the Creator, Big C, as in God, and the created us meet. And so, when I think about natural creation um, theologically, I think of natural creation as an icon rather than something to be. Reverence doesn't end in itself, um, but a but another portal, another way that God can communicate His great love and His generosity to us, um, through being able to perhaps see a sunrise and a sunset, and remember the hope that we have in in Christ. Thinking about the resurrection, so that's the kind of thing. Is that the is that what you're Thinking about yeah,
0: yeah, the uh, the nature as an object through which one encounters the divine.
1: Yes, is yes, and it's, and it's reverencing the nature for what it is too. I'm very much a believer in Franciscan spirituality. The the term I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up how to say it, but it's something like hacietas, which is reverencing the thing for what it is and being able to contemplate nature. Um, sitting with it almost accompanying it by sitting there and seeing what this natural creation has to offer you and you to it um, hmm. because the divine God is part of that integration of the two
0: hmm. what do I have to offer creation or what do I have to offer nature
1: well, I think we have a responsibility to protect nature mm. and to not just use it for our own purposes. Um, so I think respecting life is very, very important, whether it's first of all, first and foremost people, but then also the natural life that's around us. So it's not there just to be used, but That we're to be in relationship Mm. with it because it's also created by God, too.
0: Yeah, I love that relationship. Heather Makowitz is the founder and president of Peak Encounter Ministries, which organizes and leads hiking excursions and other outdoor experiences that integrate prayer, contemplation, and reflection with her enthusiasm while encouraging people to encounter God in His creation. She's a certified spiritual director, retreat director, speaker, and outdoor adventure leader Heather holds a master's certificate in spiritual direction from Newman University in Ashton, Pennsylvania, and a master's in clinical social work from Norfolk State University in Norfolk, Virginia. You can learn more about Peak Encounter at her website, peakencounter.org, and I've got several links posted in the podcast notes for this episode, so make sure you check those out. Support for this podcast comes from SDI Press, announcing its newly published book, Spiritual Direction Supervision Principles, Practices, and Storytelling by Lucy Abbott Tucker, an innovative full color workbook designed to support the care and growth of your spiritual companionship practice, representing the best thinking of Master Teacher Lucy Abbott Tucker. We invite you to explore her principles, practices, and stories as you deepen your own approach to spiritual direction. Companionship and the supervision process. Learn more at sdi.store.org. So you work a lot with people in their twenties and thirties, and you you mentioned that. And I'd be curious to hear, sort of speaking broadly or generally, what kinds of spirituality questions or issues do people have in their twenties and thirties? Because that's traditionally not a uh a demographic that is seeking out a lot of spiritual direction um but yeah. i don't i don't know that there's a, a good reason for that or or maybe that's just anecdotal but so that's great that you are that you are encountering people uh in a, on the younger side of life um so what kinds of what kinds of issues are are people dealing with in that age group in regards to their spirituality
1: what I found is they're struggling, first of all, if they have a deep faith in God, um, they're struggling with how to share that with their friends because perhaps their friends um, either don't believe in God at all or even really think that he's relevant. And so there's a sense of fear um, or even a sense of doubt that maybe they're right um, so, having a safe place to really struggle with those questions and the, and relationships, I found, um, is one of one of the uh, one of the things that comes up. Also, when they graduate, I have a few that have graduated from devout Christian colleges, sort of, and so in a sense, they're in in this bubble where they're supported in their faith, and then they leave and go out into the the world, and it's not the same. You know, you're running into people all over the map, and, and, you know, how do you hold those relationships well and respect those relationships well um, and still be able to hold theologically what's important for you? Um, Also, some things that I've run across... Were you know relationship? How to hold relationships? Do I do I get married? Do I stay single? Do I you know as a Catholic I run into people a lot, especially young men. You know, am I called to the priesthood or not? Um, Also, the question comes I find time and time again, whether they're in their twenties and thirties or forties or fifties, is is this God that I'm hearing or is, am I just hearing my own voice? How can I discern between those things? Because I just can't sift through that. So. Yeah, I, I find that, that, and and also people that'll come because they're curious, maybe they've been hurt either by the church. Maybe they've been, maybe they've just sensed that, you know what, I don't even know if it's worth it. You know, uh, Maybe they've had an experience of being um, injured or harmed by someone in the faith and they're connecting that with God and they just need a safe forum to struggle through that and um, and perhaps just by evocative questions to them, often they'll arrive at the point that God might look very different than the person that was in front of them that maybe provided for them uh growing up in a very loving forgiving merciful engaging god mm-hmm. yeah or, or in another thing sorry another would be prayer you know how do i pray i don't even know how what how do you even go about prayer or They've said, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm praying this way and that way. What else do I need to add? So often it's deconstructing that maybe it's not something necessarily that you need to add, but perhaps God's inviting you to something completely different and, you know, flexible and open. Um, so, So even just the way that people are having conversations with God from maybe a formal perspective to a more informal conversational perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's new for a lot of people. The young adults that I've also seen have often said, um, well, I don't want to not keep practicing what I practiced growing up. Um, I'm afraid of abandoning that. So in a sense, there's a disloyalty from what they, where they have been and a timidity about what they might be invited to so it's it's struggling through the tension of that to to in a sense Mm. midwife or or give birth to a new way of relating to god
0: yeah yeah to see that uh the institution is not god right and that god may be inviting someone into deeper relationship that does not look like the, perhaps the the things that they've learned in that institution, and so being afraid of that and being willing to step into that that deeper mystery, um, that's really beautiful. You you mentioned that sometimes for people it's it's knowing how to pray, and not necessarily sometimes not knowing where to begin. I wonder if you have any like gentle suggestions or things that you offer people when they ask that question. Like if I was to ask you, Heather, I don't know how to pray. How do I pray? (laughs) Well, how do you respond to that?
1: And I'll say, how do you engage with your best friend? Hmm. What are some ways that you've talked to your best friend? What are ways that you've been there for your best friend? What are some important aspects about maintaining and growing deeper in your relationship with your best friend? So. I start with very practical relationships and then I invite, I invite often people who come to direction to reflect back in their life of how maybe God has shown up and given hope and healing to different aspects of their life growing up. And, and the hope is that that will help them to build trust to even want to go to God for anything. And in terms of practical things, I often like to start with something called the Ignatian Awareness Examine. And what that does, that particular spiritual practice um, will help a person to learn how to discern God's very subtle movements in their everyday life. Where has he been away from me in the last 24 hours, or when? Where have I turned away? Where have have I actually grown closer to him? And what are the fruits of that? When I've turned away, have I become more discouraged, anxious, um, anxiety? Yeah, anxiety-ridden, or deeper joy, peace? So it's really beginning to discern very subtle ways that God's showing up. In their life, and then I also like to encourage people to have a, a consistent place in their house, maybe uh, that they can have this conversation with God. A consistent time, if at all possible. When they, when you're picking a time, that that be a time where you're like most aware and you're not like falling asleep. <laughs> so for me, the morning is the best time. Yeah. And and also a plan of where you'd like to start. Maybe you're putting your journal on, on, on your uh, nightstand or maybe you have scripture by you, whether it's a gospel reflection of the day or maybe just a two-way journaling experience where you're asking the question to God very informally, what do you have to share with me today? How do you see me? And so... There's the formal aspects of prayer and then the informal aspects of prayer. And do we allow ourselves to integrate both?
0: Mm-hmm. What a great question to, in response to the question. Because what you first said was, you know, how do you engage with your best friend? And one of the ways that I engage with my best friends is to like tease them, like good natured teasing yeah. and laughing at each other. Yeah. making fun, making fun. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I can't engage with God that way. Can I?
1: <laughs> yes, you can.
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah, he wants you just the way you are. and And I have actually this cool picture of Jesus and he's laughing. And he's very, like, rough and ruddy. And so it's not like this, you know, sleeked down hair, very proper. You know, he wants, he wants us to have fun too, Mm. Mm. you know, and, and to be authentic. Like if we have to wait until we're all together and perfect and we got it all figured out, then why do we even need a relationship at all? We're having a relationship with ourselves.
0: Yes, and so that's that sometimes becomes a, a hang-up too, like the relationship with ourselves. Is that, yeah. is that also equally relationship with God? When does that become the same thing for somebody? Can it be mm. the same thing? It sounds like it can.
1: Yes. Right? Or it, it
0: must even.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think about, and, and we were even learning this in formation, but when I was part of healing prayer teams, we'd often talk about, you know, our image of God often comes from an image that that perhaps we project or has been projected onto us with significant people in our lives. And again, that can cause us to want to close in, maybe hide or maybe not even think that he's relevant at all, you know, in our life. So this is a hang up I have But I find that when I go to him right where I am, uh, as vulnerable as I am and as imperfect as I am, that's where a lot of deep growth happens for me. Um, I might even have to ask God, you know, look, I'm really afraid to go to you. I'm really ashamed to go to you. I don't know how you're going to see me, but here I am. So you need to share with me what you think because <laughs> I have no answers.
0: Yeah. I just want to say, <laughs> uh, I want to say that one of the paradoxical joys of this podcast in which we talk about these deep mysteries is that we often come up against spaces in which words just start to fail and we don't know how to talk about things anymore. And uh, I think we reached that point a couple minutes ago there.
1: (laughs) Well, don't you find that, though, when you're accompanying other people? You know, it's sometimes when you're sitting with them in a direction session and words can't describe adequately what the experience is for you or the other person. So for me, leaning back on the Holy Spirit in the dis in the uncomfortable ness, I don't know if that's a word of the silence and the unknowing yeah and the wondering um even in that mystery becomes a place of growth for yeah. both the directee and the director
0: Hmm. it's uh it's a very Profound truth of spiritual companionship is allowing for those spaces in which nobody's saying anything, and yet it's like the hardest thing to do for us to not to not try to contextualize or bring words or language to what is being experienced. It's really hard.
1: Yeah, I find it especially difficult to move from I was I was a clinical therapist um, back in the day, and to take that hat off. Mm. And to put on the spiritual direction hat, which is not diagnosing, treating, solving, coming up with answers, but allowing the questions to sit there and and for the person who's coming to you to be the one that's arriving at the answers. It's, it's a huge growing edge, I feel like, for a lot of us as directors and our peer supervision, we're talking about that all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I relate so much. I'm in training to be a spiritual guide and it, it's, just, it's these yeah. same issues for all of us. Well,
1: ta- yeah, what do you like about what you're doing in your training?
0: Uh, it's all this stuff. It's all the things that you're describing to me. It, it, You know, the the thing that I say in response to that, the thing that I have noticed about spiritual companionship is... How often I hear myself in the person who is sharing even just just listening to you right now I'm like yes like yes I feel that all the time yes <laughs> I experience that so much and I don't have to say it because you're already saying it <laughs> and there's just a there's a sense of of deep connection and deep knowing uh, that is it's sort of magical
1: mm. I love what you said about deep knowing because I, I feel like the universal experience for all of us to is to be deeply known mm-hmm. and deeply understood. You know, and, and spiritual direction or companionship is in an incredible way that that gift can unfold.
0: Yeah. Well, let me I want to ask you about the experiences that you lead, the encounters, and maybe you could just take us through just some rough parameters of like what someone would expect uh, going on a, a trip with you, um, whether it's hiking or rafting, whatever. Let's say hiking. If someone were okay. to, to sign up for a hike with you, what would, what would they do? What would be required of them? What would they experience?
1: Well, in terms of requirement, I only try to ahead of time have them make sure that they're wearing gear that they don't care about. (laughs) So uh, especially if they have some type of ankle support, um, I think that's important if we're going on rocky terrain or things like that. And to be prepared for all weather, um, except for, of course, thunder and lightning. Um, But rain is actually very glorious when you're out there hiking in rain. So ahead of time, preparation-wise, that's it. And then when they arrive, it's it's really, again, a come as you are. If people come, they register, and just introduce themselves. We have a little bit of an icebreaker, and we just introduce ourselves, why we came, what we're hoping to gain, um, maybe something quirky about them that is funny, you know, just to give them a little sense of community there. And then... Um, but then I introduce them to the theme. So, recently um, I did. It's a hiking to heal. All of the hikes tend to be around healing. So I call it's a series called "Hiking to Heal," and this was on the um, five, five of the miracles of Jesus. So I share with them in an Ignatian contemplative way, where, where after we do the icebreaker. We have a space outside where we sit and we take a deep breath to just kind of allow things to melt away all the concerns that they've come with and, and to just be able to receive in natural creation. So it's getting them used to being, shifting their space from where they came from to where they are now. And I'll read a scripture passage from that theme inviting them to close their eyes and to imagine themselves being part of the scene with Jesus, whether it's the hemorrhaging woman going to Jesus um, or the blind man who came to Jesus and he was healing them. Uh, So taking a role, whether they are the blind person, the hemorrhaging woman or an observer all in the backdrop again, a natural creation, because in imaginative prayer, you're also considering maybe what was around them. Were there was there green grass or or trees? Um, what what were the sounds? Was there was there hustling and bustling, or were there sounds of birds, you know, flying around? So it's um, immersing them into their senses in this contemplative prayer, and then after that. I I put together some uh they're called prayer packages. So there it's prayer gear, I'm sorry. Prayer gear where I have particular prompts on the scripture passages where they will pause. They'll have an, I invite them to use this prayer package to to pause, take a deep breath, to ponder, so consider that passage to pray wherever you are, and usually there are hard questions there, um, and then to practice. So, what is what is one invitation from that ex- from that particular pause, ponder, pray, practice um, experience? So, all of these prayer prompts there's usually five or six. They're actually on carabiners. They're all weather, so they're waterproof, water resistant. And they, they're on carabiners, so you can stick them on, on your belt oh, nice! and go hands-free yeah. and decide if you want to use them or not. Because again, the Holy Spirit's the guide. I'm not. I can just create the, the scaffolding for people to interact mm. with God. So then they go out. They have an opportunity to go out in silence and to just interact with what they have there. Um, we're creating the scaffolding. It's really up to God to interact with the person just a lot like, like spiritual direction, we can set up the space, but it's ultimately up to the person and God to to interact. So it's usually, you know, anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half at this point. I haven't done super long retreats yet. Um, and, and at the close of that, we come back together again and have a time of sharing. Um, some might participate if they're introverted or not really sure they might participate just by listening to other people. Um, so I'll facilitate a sharing time. You know, what, what happened for you? It's very open-ended. Uh, what came up for you? Um, what was this like? Was this hard? Was it easy? What are some experiences you had? And often... I learn a lot more and actually everyone else learns a lot more from what's shared in the end than what I've shared at the beginning because I'm only one person. So, so that's just a hike. That's the hiking experience. That's more contemplative. The adventure based are a little different. (laughs) Yeah. Where we're canoeing and zip lining and fun stuff like that. So, um, so I don't know if you want me to to elaborate on that. Yeah. Or, I mean, it sounds like a lot okay. of
0: it is just fun.
1: It is fun. It is fun. Because when you think about it, like getting outside, especially if it's a sunny day, which I wish you had more of out in Washington, <laughs> it it does something like first you have vitamin D and then, you know, all the research talks about how it lowers anxiety and depression and and. And so what gives rise if something is decreased, then something else is increased. So anxiety, depression goes down and joy and hope rise to the top. Mm -hmm. So in terms of of adventure-based experiences, again, the beginning starts the same. We're, We're just getting together, getting to know each other, doing a lot of relationship building have a time of going into Ignatian contemplation like we were talking about in the, in the hiking to heal. But then in order to really step into the scene, we go and experience what that person might have experienced metaphorically, experientially. So for example, if we have the theme from fear to faith, the scripture is on Peter walking on water and his, his fear, his doubt of actually coming to Jesus, because maybe he can't swim or it's deep and it's a storm. So, uh, you know, then when we get a chance to go, so then I'll say, okay, let's go out and try it ourselves. Let's do this high ropes course. You'll have a chance to face your fear too. Step into Peter's role, or uh-huh. and by, I don't say step into, but I just say, uh-huh. so this is your time to consider going into that place. Just have fun. Have fun with it. And um, so it's an experience. You're, you're engaging your body in, in what your mind is intuiting and your spirit's intuiting, but your body has memory. And um, so then after, after we're done, again, we end in that facilitation of, uh, again, open-ended questions. What happened for you? Mm-hmm. You know, what was the invitation, you know, when you were afraid of that suspended um, ladder, Did you trust? Did you trust the guide? Did you trust the carabiner that was holding you? Did you trust the line? Did you trust the feet underneath you? When you didn't, what was that like? (laughs) You know, and so it's again getting into the scripture, but in very real, practical ways.
0: Yeah. Well, you are, I mean, you are taking the Ignatian imaginative spirituality to new levels of intensity.
1: I I love love it. it.
0: It's fascinating. (laughs) This is really fun. It's fun to hear all these ways that you are just finding new ways to, uh, to, to try these spiritual practices out to, uh, to engage people's senses, to not just sort of conjure them or, Imagine them, but to very viscerally experience them.
1: If it's like me, I have a wandering mind a lot, and I have a hard time sitting still. Unless unless I'm in a spiritual direction session, I don't know what that is. But (laughs) but when I'm praying myself, it, it it just again comes back to for me, my mind is still when I'm outside and engaging, and I can remember things when I've actually used my body in doing it.
0: Yeah. Just a, as a practical question, do you ever have people who, uh, who come to you and say, I'm not fit enough for a hike, or I'm worried about this rope climb thing that you're describing. I don't think I'm able enough to experience that. Um, how do you respond to people who, uh, who come to you with those concerns?
1: So are you speaking about like ahead of time or when they're actually at the event?
0: Uh, Ahead of time. Yeah. Um, If I never hiked before and I was super intimidated by that or didn't think that I was fit enough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I would hope that they would actually ask that question. Um, I haven't had that question often, but, but I think it's a very good question. Um, I, so far our hikes are in, in very, um, Mundane terrain, if that makes sense, not super challenging. However, that being said, I just describe the level, whether it's a, a moderate hike or an easy hike or a more difficult hike. I just share that with them ahead of time to see if they have a sense that they would only be the ones to be able to tell whether that is um, appropriate for them. But so far, again, the hikes we've had are very mild. And they're on off in the Abbey grounds, which they have hills and, and um, trails, but but they're not um, they're not necessarily like going out to Valley Forge, going up Mount Misery and Mount Joy. <laughs> Uh, there are a are couple of those oh yeah isn't that funny at Valley Forge I'm like what was that Washington that actually uh named them I don't know <laughs> but those are super challenging and we do do um hikes there those are more like meetups so people will you know you'll just say Mount Misery, Mount Joy, moderate to difficult hiking um come if you want and and those are more just casual bring your concerns, whatever you have, throw it in your backpack, and let's go. So, yeah. uh, yeah, So So you just
0: make it as accessible as possible. Yes. Eliminate as many barriers.
1: Yeah, and communicate. I know that recently Mm. we had someone who said, is there a weight limit for the inner tubing? And I actually didn't know, so I had to call the place, and they, they said, no, not at all. We have various size inner tubes. And so... I think that I need to probably make sure that I'm stating that on the event so that people aren't embarrassed to ask that question.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because we do want it to be as accessible as possible to people.
0: hmm yeah, we learn as we go. And
1: yes, we do. We get, we
0: get questions <laughs> we didn't anticipate and we, we figure that out, yeah. Yes, for sure. Well, this has been really fun. Is there anything else that you would like to share that I haven't asked you about?
1: Hmm. I think now, Matt. I don't know when this is going to air, but I can't help but think about that. This interview is taking place during the COVID nineteen pandemic, and how we can hear news twenty four seven about uh, people dying, uh, struggling with this virus, um, and that can cause us to really become down about life and discouraged. So my invitation, I think right now, is to have people consider getting outside just for 10 to 15 minutes a day, and to to take a deep breath, and to be able to receive from God light and hope, Um, away from the electronics. It's hard, but just see what happens. I invite people to do that
0: Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. To learn more about spiritual companionship and ways that you can plug in and join our community, visit us at our website, at www.sdiworld.org.